Welcome to the Podcast on the Prairie, an Oklahoma football podcast featuring OU beat writer George Stoya, Keegan Renault, and host Spencer Davis. Welcome in to another episode of the Podcast on the Prairie. I'm Spencer Davis. Here with Keegan Renault, uh, George Stoya is working on a capstone paper tonight. Um, apparently, school is still a thing, uh, and that you know he has to deal with uh, even during these uh, these weird times that we're in right now, Keegan. Um, and uh, one thing that we're going to do tonight is uh, hopefully try to take your mind off of that for a little while. We're recording this Sunday night. Uh, you should be able to listen to this as of Monday morning. Uh, oh shoot, Keegan, what do you? We're just, I think we're just going to shoot the breeze for a little while and then. Uh, Eventually, we're going to get to a uh, an all-decade team discussion talking about uh, 2010's OU football. Yeah, I mean, man, how has this affected you in your work and, and with driving and everything that you do? Man, it's crazy. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's first off, there's been less to write about, um, you know, so that part of, of what I do. Um, and then also, you know, yeah, I mean, we, fig- we found out that uh, – my wife and I are going to be moving to Kansas City uh, last Friday. Uh, we were supposed to find that out during this big, you know, event with a bunch, you know, with all the other med school students at the same time, um, and that was obviously canceled. And uh, so we found out uh, her parents did come up, and uh, you know, we got to spend most of the day together last Friday. But man, it's it's been super weird. Um, yeah, driving like haven't really, you know, I've done some Uber driving. Haven't that's been super dead for the last week and a half. Haven't really done that. So it's. Uh, it's it's definitely been crazy. I mean, what about you at the bagel shop? I mean, is your day to day any different? <laughs> it's it's been so weird. Uh, just have we only have the drive through open, and there's less people working. The hours are shorter. It it just doesn't. It seems like it's just like a movie that we're living in, and I, I know that's the, how a lot of people have described it. But you wake up every day, and there's something different going on. Yeah. With it's, there's new news to watch the the economy watching what the you know the dow jones is doing every day and listening to what those people are talking about because i you know i haven't gotten to that point where yet to where i've missed sports so much i think i'm there i watched vince young highlights last night from college and oh my yeah, goodness Keegan, you're, you're there bud I'll, I'll just tell you <laughs> yeah i mean i so i uh but no man it's been it, it it's been a wild two weeks and you know, being able to talk about sports on the franchise, you know, three times a week, even then, like what, what is there to talk about? Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's nothing on. That's crazy. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, I, I definitely feel for those guys that on the franchise and then, uh, you know, I occasionally go on and I think you do too with Matt Ravis on the sports animal. I mean, it's, uh, you know, those guys are obviously have a tough job right now um, to try to figure out what the heck to talk about. Especially because, I mean, it, it doesn't really, I don't want to get all existential here, but it doesn't seem like there's an end in sight. Um, you know, you've got Kirk Herbstreit yesterday saying, don't think there's going to be college football. Um, you know, I think a lot of the experts, you know, when they when they talk about flattening the curve, the idea is that this lasts for longer than if everybody just gets sick at the same time. And, I, you know, that definitely puts this fall in jeopardy, especially if, uh, you know, you can't, you know, if, if you can't have two months of, of summer workouts, you can't play in the fall. It's, you know, player safety. Like, you know, I mean, maybe they could maybe push the season back, but 
Um, you know, if they're able to start working out in August, but then, you know, at that point, we don't know if this virus is going to come back in the fall or not. I mean, it's, it's a logistical, an absolute logistical nightmare, um, in every sector, but, uh, most notably for our purposes, sports. Yeah. You you know, like at the end of the day, if, if we're not playing football this fall, we, I agree in the essence of there, there's so much bigger that's happening on yeah, our hands to where sure. football, it, it doesn't even matter. I mean, you know, that means millions of people have died and it's, you know, we, we have a situation like what's going on in Italy right now. And or even New York city, it, man, it's, like New York city's crazy. Yeah. Like it's no longer some yeah. foreign country, like 150 people died yesterday in New York city from 10 AM to 6 PM. I don't, I haven't seen numbers today. I, I don't know if they went up or down, but, um, I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, I know mm-hmm. uh, there's a famous country music artist. I uh, I forget it. Is it Diffy? J- oh, Duff. Yeah, Diffy or Duffy. Oh, I um, People are gonna kill us for not. I'm not familiar. Uh, I know Toby Keith tweeting tweeted about him. Um, I'll look that up real quick. But yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's been super crazy. Joe Diffy. Yep. Um, man. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's just been nuts. It, it, it does hit. It hits closer to home, and you know, you hope. You know, what was crazy is, is the Wednesday before. Um, so the the Wednesday, so the Thursday of the Big Twelve tournament and all those conference tournaments got canceled, and the NCAA tournament got canceled. That Wednesday was OU's NFL Pro Day. Yeah, and I don't think and we haven't done a podcast since. I don't. I don't. No. I don't think we, we haven't done podcast since January, but. Um, like we were around all those people, man. Keegan, let me and, tell you something, man. I was, I, you know, where I was a month ago today on February 29th. It was a freaking Disney World. <laughs> I was yeah. at Disney World a month from today, and then the week after that, I was on a cruise. Like, yeah. can you imagine doing that now? No, that wouldn't even enter your thought process. And when we no. left, this thing was—I think there was like. 12 cases in Washington when we left or something like that. Um, and now a month later, less than a month later, this thing has stopped every sector of how we live or, you know, at least halted it to some degree. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. Um, all right. You want to, do you want to say anything you, else you, about it or you want to, I, I've, you, you know, I was just curious how, what have you watched? Man, I've been watching a lot of TV, which is not abnormal. So I, I I'll tell you another thing. So normally when I would get home at night, I would watch the Thunder game or I would watch a Hawks game or I would watch a Pelicans game. Typically one of those three teams, you know, have been on because uh, I like like watching Trey Young, like watching Zion, like watching the Thunder. In place of that, I have been playing MLB 2K11 on my Xbox 360. <laughs> um, and let me tell you, uh, the numbers that I'm putting up would make Mike Trout look like Pete Cosma. It's it's unbelievable. I'm just <laughs> just absolutely raking. Uh, it's on my to do list to get a play to get a PlayStation in a couple months so that I can play the show and play a real video game. But for it's now, so uh, much fun. For it, now, show, MLB 2K11. So much fun. Roy Halladay on the cover. Uh, it's getting the job done. R.I.P. So. Right? Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Roy. I have been watching uh, Ozark. Uh, um, I've been watching Devs. Um, no spoilers on Ozark. I haven't started it yet. The third season, season three yet. is very good. Um, and I've been uh, you watching through uh, it. What you already threw it. No, I, I'm like halfway through episode four, I think, but it's, it's uh, good so yeah. far. And then I've been, uh, been watching little fires everywhere with my wife. Um, 
which is a Reese Witherspoon drama that is probably just exactly what you think it is. Um, it's fine. It's it's replacement level TV for quarantine time. It's 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 fine. Man, I've been like I said, the first sports thing I really went back and watched was Vince Young's highlights. I would, the, all these all this conversation about top five college football quarterbacks and everybody's He's posting there, all man. you know. Yeah, and so I was like, man, I, I guess I just forget what Vince Young looked like. Yeah. In I remember this. I remember this thought. He is one of those guys, and Johnny Manziel was the other. Is that you could have told me that guy would have went on and had a in a fifteen year NFL career yeah. and just put up all sorts of numbers and records and won Super Bowls and whatnot. Like Vince Young and and Johnny are those two guys that. Or it's like there was no way after their col- the way their college careers went that you know the NFL would have went upside down the way it yeah. did for them. So hey, no, it's been interesting. Just even people's responses, you know how you know the media world's responding, how people are covering it. Um, I think has been very interesting. It's been fun to see too what people are coming up with um, in terms of just content and how to drive content. I uh, I may have blown up the google's fear tonight but we're gonna um, talk about that <laughs> um but i did i guess if, if there is one sports deal um to really start getting getting into is the top five quarterback thing is interesting and th- i don't i don't think this is re- recency bias but that conversation if if we're going to talk about uh, whether it's one season or yeah. the best quarterback ever that's the thing is you need like, like are we talking about the totality of a career or are we talking about the peak over one season? Exactly. Because like somebody like peak. Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, can work for both. But Joe mm-hmm. Burrow, Cam Newton, like those guys are one-hit wonders for the most part. Yeah, but that's where I was kind of going at is like if if it's just all across the board, I mean, Joe Burrow ha- that's that conversation starts with Joe Burrow and then you go from there. I, right? I disagree. The, with the numbers uh, that he the, with the numbers that he put up Man, did that Auburn team that Cam Newton won a national title? Did, was there even another NFL guy on that team? Like, I, I think Cam Newton is pretty unassailable as the best college football season ever. And I, I haven't looked; at, I haven't lined up their stats. Um, and I'm, I'm positive that Burrow's stats are better, just because Burrow's stats are better than literally everybody for a single season. But I mean, just how do, remember I can remember how dominant Cam Newton was, and it's it, I think it's pretty unassailable. Uh, especially, I mean, just that Auburn team before he arrived and after he got there was just a total non-factor. And to go from that to an undefeated national champion with him, um, man, it's crazy. I don't know. Uh, you ready? I, this is what Joe Burrow's worst game was in college. He was 31 of 49 for 463 yards and five touchdowns and had 14 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. That's his worst game. That was in the national championship against Clemson. That was his he what are you, his worst game last season, right? Yeah, take statistically. Well, okay, so yeah. not his worst game in college, just last season. No, just like yeah, in the in the essence of his last year okay. was I mean, we saw what probably was the best year a quarterback has ever had in college football. Man, um, I, yeah, I mean it's, I think it's either him or Cam. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm no. So I thought it was funny, kind of seeing everybody. I think, like I said, I, I can get, I get to Vince, I get to Joe Burrow, I get to 
um, Johnny Manziel after, and Tim Tebow after those four in terms yeah. of the top five quarterbacks. I mean, you got to win a national ch- like Baker. If Baker had won it in twenty seventeen, he'd be on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So blame so, Austin Seibert for it, that if you want. I guess. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> already just taking shots but no i i think it's also man it's was with the spring football being um banged for oklahoma it looks like i i think it is interesting just there were some very important springs i mean you had bryson washington who needed 15 practices that he needed to be a guy for oklahoma he needs to be a yeah. guy for oklahoma Dude, in screw that. how about spencer rattler yeah, but even then, like Bryson Washington just got on campus. I mean, yeah, for Spencer, but I mean, we all know I, I am less less worried about Spencer Rattler being ready well, than I am a Bryson Washington or a Perion Winfrey. Um, but OU like they, could survive if if Bryson Washington is not the starter. I don't know. I don't know, Spencer. Man, they got they've got they got. Exposed. I know it was Justin Broyles, but they got exposed. Well, in the- Fields and Turner Yell are going to be back. Trey Norwood's back. Like I'm not even sure that Bryson Washington's a starter. If he should be, he need he ha- he needs to be for Oklahoma. He's probably the best DB that they have right now. Man, that's a take. I don't know that I. I, I mean, shoot, man, Delaren Turner Yell was pretty dang good last year. Yeah, no, he was, but I'm he not also saying Washington. He still had his higher. moments. Delaren yeah. Turner yell people he he did play well he got better as the year went well, on um but nobody was it, more critical it, of the safeties than this podcast I mean we you know no, no absolutely but even then like he wasn't consistent he he had his flashes but I I think he's replaceable I don't think he's a guy for Oklahoma that just has a should have a spot locked down if one of these younger guys like if Cordell yeah. comes on or if you know, well, Bryce Washington comes on and, and plays Woody better Washington. than Patrick Fields. Or, yeah, Woody Washington comes on for Patrick Fields. Um, you know, I I think that, that there's there was a lot of things that needed to be ironed out for Alex Grinch this spring just in terms of looking in the fall. Who's going to – because, you know, he works off that A and the A and B group, um, you know, like a lot of coaches do. But it seems like he really focuses on the guys who, who can be in our top 22 and the guys who can't be. And I think this was a big spring to figure out the guys who coach could have been there yeah. for Oklahoma, especially those younger guys like Perry on Winfrey, like I mentioned, Deshaun White. Uh, you know, that's a, another guy for a huge spring um, that yep. really hasn't played that Mike position. So it, this was losing out on the spring practices, and then also to you know that offensive line. So I. I th- think that this is a lot bigger deal. You know, I think Lincoln said it on a, on the radio show um, on that segment with Toby Rowland, but um, that he wasn't necessarily worried about getting a team ready to play. But for Oklahoma to be at its best, some of these newcomers and the guys that haven't played those positions, um, they needed to be. They needed to get this spring underneath them just to get acclimated yep. um, to the program, and they're and they're just not now. So I'm interested to see how that's going to impact Oklahoma. Um, long term well you know the reality is for you know everybody on OU schedule is dealing with the same thing right like it's not you know every it's an even playing field for the most part I mean you know some programs some guys might be doing more than others you know that just depends on the culture that you've built and what guys do you know whenever they're not in a structured practice or structured workouts that you know that they can't be in right now so um, you know and throughout the summer even um, but who knows and you know who knows if you know, I think that they'll try to play this fall. Um, 
man, they really need to be able to play this fall at some level. Or, you know, there's a, from a money perspective, there is a domino effect that is going to go down through these universities. Um, and not that OU, OU is not going to be the worst off. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be places like the University of Tulsa um, or, you know, programs even Hell, smaller Oklahoma than that. State. Oklahoma State's going to be Man, affected greatly by this. You're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue that these schools are counting on. Um, and these these schools are making more money year over year than they're telling you. Um, they're, they're, they're more profitable than they say they are. But a lot of them are still not built to be able to, you know, surpass you know be able to stomach all this without some help especially in the state of oklahoma where ou and osu are getting a dwindling amount of money from the state every year i'm talking i'm not talking about the athletic department i'm talking about the university academically yeah, well, you know oil and get with especially with the way oil and not, gas, th- those right, donations aren't going to be there um you know how the school is funded through you know part of sale the sales tax you know however that breakdown works People aren't spending money right now, so the sales tax revenues are going to be less. So it's even less money. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be crazy. And I mean, I, I'm doing some work right now to try to nail down, you know, how much money, how much revenue OU brings in in a given day. Uh, and I don't have those figures, but if I had to guess, I mean, you're talking about um, for eighty five thousand people. What do you think the average is per ticket? Two hundred dollars. I mean, some it, cheaper, some way more expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's 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 put it at two hundred dollars. Um, you're talking about seventeen million dollars a game in revenue that OU's not getting if fans. Can, this is if fans. This is if the games happen with no fans. Okay, so that's seventeen million a game. Um, what do they have? Do they have six home games this year or five? I think it's six. So you're talking, let's call it a hundred million in revenue just from fans not buying tickets. Now you're talking about how much money to all, would all those fans have spent at the concession stand? 25, 30 bucks each. That's another few million uh, per game. Yeah, I mean, it's- you're talking about in-game sponsorships like the Budweiser, you know, the Coca-Cola signs, um, insurance sign, you know, any any banners that you see, you know, those companies are no longer advertising. And you know, there's no overhead for that oh, at all. The trickle down of the trickle down effect of this into every not. I know we focus on football and college football because that's what we cover. That's what we do. Yeah. That's how we operate. But it's just the into everybody's lives. I mean, you're yeah. we're talking it. It's so insane. How about those businesses on Campus Corner? Yeah, I mean, tough Man. sledding for those Ca- bars. And- Campus Corner rent is so high. I mean, that place. If if you're if you're an OU alum that you know hasn't been back to campus necessarily in a few years or whatever. Like, man, the turnover for businesses on Campus Corner is so high. I mean, it seems like they churn out, you know, 50% turnover every couple of years. I mean, it may not be that high, but it's it's insane, partially because rent is so high there. And you can pay – companies can think they can afford to pay that rent because of the six or seven game days that they get every fall. You know, that helps a lot. Um, and even right now, like right now, there should be students walking around everywhere. There's nobody in Norman. You know, unless you live in Norman, I mean, a lot. I, heck, George Stoy is in Tulsa. Like, you know, I mean, a lot of students are, are back where they live in Dallas or Tulsa or Oklahoma City. You know, um, college towns are going to get killed by this, especially you know, especially if we get to the fall and it's not fixed. But I don't know. 
we got off on a tangent talking about this thing again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you always do, and you know, and right now, I I think it's that's what you know. I hope people also believe this way. That I think it should be okay. Like to, I mean, yeah. this is the way just with the way this is impacting people now i i do say and i have said this that i still think we're gonna get football um you know i i'm not too worried about it i, I think things uh, as serious as i've taken it if people have seen how serious i've taken it and um on twitter and social media but you know i i, I just i feel like we're gonna figure it out um you know and as a country, you know, hopefully here in the next two weeks, it, it hits its peak or whatever it's supposed to do. And we uh, kind of go, we can get back to normalcy by end of May. And hopefully in June, we, it looks like we can get a football season in. So the yeah. problem, you know, so I, I, I hope I you're think, right, man. Um, but at the same time too, you know, it has to be in the back of your mind. Um, yeah. I'm not going to lie and say it's not, but I'm not, I really won't, I won't really entertain that conversation until you know early june yeah. late may and and we'll see especially because big 12 media days take place in mid-july so we'll we'll know quickly if well, yeah. if it's going to be if it's going to be changing because they're going to they'll have to plan they'll have to empty that day out over at at&t stadium for for big 12 media days I mean, so. it's possible that we get some normalcy in june and july and then in late august the you know the Health experts say, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't, you know, can't be having hundred thousand people in a stadium yet. You know, we're, you know, we're not there yet. We don't have a vaccine yet. So, um, who knows? I do hope. You know, my biggest hope right now, just because I think it's the most realistic, is that we get some NBA playoffs. Um, I think that's possible. I think I think it's possible that there's a two month window here where probably with no fans, but you can at least get some players and coaches and you know families of the players and coaches together and they can play some playoff games and they can crown a champion and we can all watch something together and, you know, have, have a little experience doing that. But, um, I don't know until then, what is Tasmanian soccer still going on? I don't, you know, I know, uh, the action networks running this two K one-on-one simulation. That's been interesting. Um, not a whole lot else to watch. Um, but you want to so look at look at you looking forward to toward to next year when Kennedy Brooks yes. may end up <laughs> being one of the best all-time rushers at Oklahoma is that that is so insane it's, it's insane because it's uh, so this is Keegan's voice if you notice the inflection it's because we're about ready to have a fight about this and uh, we've talked about it off the air a little bit enough to know that we're going to fight about this um Keegan Renault today uh posted a story on Sooner's Wire, which is his prerogative, you know, it's his website. Um, what, what's the headline here? Um, uh, Kennedy Brooks is Oklahoma's present day Landry Jones. Now, oof. let me preface some. Let me preface some of this. It's not in the aspect of, you know, talent. You know, equal yes. perform. You know how they perform on the field or whatever. It's just in terms of. Kenny Brooks, like I mentioned, is about to be one of the great, technically one of the greatest Oklahoma running backs of all time. Like we know, we all know Samaj P. Ryan's probably not in that top, you know, five yeah, all time. I, I Oklahoma would, I running would backs. say, I, I think greatest is the wrong word. I think it's maybe most productive is the right. Uh, yeah, the but right when adjective. you look at the history books long term, you know, when someone looks back at it in fifty years, their Kennedy Brooks is going to be his name's going to be up there. So Kennedy uh, Brooks, right now. 
is 30th on the OU all-time rushing list, but he, he's going to move up significantly. Um, he has 2,067 career rushing yards. So that means he he would to pass Pirine, he would have to have a two thousand yard rushing season, which is not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But if he has a let's say he has fifteen hundred yards, which I think is probably his absolute ceiling. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Um, that puts him at about thirty five hundred, which puts him above of De- above Demon Parker and below Demarco Murray. He'd be eighth all time. Um, here's my thing with Kennedy Brooks. I think that I think he's an above average running back nationally. Like if you just put all the starting running backs, even just P5, I think he's an above average P power five running back. If you put all 60 running backs, I think he's in the top 30 or you know whatever the top half is. However, um, I think he's probably a bottom five OU starting running back over the last 20 years, just based on talent, just, just talent, just, just, you know, not, not numbers because the numbers are in your favor. There's no doubt. Like, he averages seven and a half yards a carry, which is most all time. Second, It's tie it, of running backs or rushers or rushers that have two, at least 200 attempts. There are 68 of them. Kennedy Brooks is tied for first all time in yards per carry with Greg Pruitt. He's, he's really he's been really good. Um, I do think he has benefited quite a bit from being a Lincoln Riley running back for three years. Um, or I, well, I guess this will be his third year. Um, I don't know, man. He's 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 pretty good. I, that's as much as I as I think I would say. Um, and I know that your argument with Landry is that you know Landry was underappreciated in the same way that Kennedy Brooks is underappreciated. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. Kennedy Brooks that, is I mean, and that's, properly that's the whole point. I see. That's the thing, though, is that you know, if Kennedy Brooks rushed for 427 yards in one game, would he? Would he? Would his name be the same? Hold the same weight that, as Samaj Piran does? That's interesting because it, that that's it, that's an interesting idea because that I haven't thought about because if Piran only rushes for 250 yards against Kansas on that rainy afternoon, um. He's not the all-time school leading rushing leader, and he doesn't have that NCAA record. So how is Pirine remembered? Probably, and you know, he didn't have, didn't really have a an NFL career. I mean, I think he has like less than ten career carries in the NFL. He, I think he's still in the Dolphins roster or something. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's very possible that Pirine would have been remembered more as the guy who, you know, played because Joe Mixon wasn't. Exactly. Um, but nice, that's not how it went down. Nice, nice save there, by the way. What do you mean? <laughs> Just on how you exited out of there. Um, <laughs> Were you worried about it? Worried about it? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I just was. I was I, just. Yeah. I, P. Ryan and Mixon went. Safe there. P. Ryan and Mixon went. You know, worked great together. You know, the perfectly complementary backs. Right. P. Ryan was a bowling ball that was going to fall forward three yards every single time. He probably, shoot, how many, what did he have, 10 negative carries in his whole career? I mean, very few. Um, and Mixon was super quick feet, super athletic, you know, really good hands, could catch the ball to the backfield. Um, and his, in terms of overall talent, you know, his obviously aged it's, better. He's one yeah, of six yeah, or seven he, best running backs in the NFL. He, he, yeah, he may, that's the, that's the other conversation that's been, you know, kind of going on behind closed doors. I guess we can leave it at that um, with us. 
Uh, but I, I think Joe Mixon, like, if he plays in 2017 at Oklahoma, like, where does this – it would he have been one of those last running backs that could have won the Heisman? Who won it that year? Baker? Yeah, Baker won it in 17. Yeah, Baker and Joe both would have been in New York. And I feel like Mixon with – Was Joe not on the 17 team? No, no, you're right. Rodney was the running because he had team. to go. Yeah, yeah, he had he had to leave for the NFL early. I think this has been, everybody, this has been discussed. He, uh, you know this, right? That he had, I guess, believe had some academic issues or or of some sort. I mean, he, um, you know, obviously was ready for the NFL regardless. Yeah, and it, it was yeah, good probably to get off a of college campus given everything that went down. Yeah, and I think it was good for uh, the universe, the University of yes, Oklahoma, to, put that to get him, to yeah. get him as far, yeah, as far from that situation as possible. But no, man, it's uh, no, it's definitely that. It's just the fact that you know I sit and you critique and you know I, you analyze and you watch so much film of a guy and you're like, golly, he just keeps getting yards and he what keeps he getting yards. He keeps like what is, I think because here's my I thing. Want, like he's he, not really quick he enough. Understands, he understands that he he's one of those unique guys that doesn't need to have that home run run to just kind of I, I don't know to Man, I think that's some way. spin to be honest with you. Like No, like are you saying it's because he can't? Because I think he yeah, can. I, I think, don't think he's got the top in speed. I know he doesn't have the top in speed. I mean, the holes in 2019 or 2018 were certainly big enough that if he was a home run yeah. hitter, like he yeah, would have 2018, hit 2018, but the fact well, that he basically replicated what he did two years ago last season um, is very impressive. And, you know, I need to go back and watch some more. But, yeah, like I said, I think there's – it's just like, my, you know, my conversation with Kamar Wheaton, the number one running back in the country right now. Is you still uh, in on him, by the way? Uh, I th- I think Oklahoma is a really good spot. Okay. Um, from and, and I, I know there there was also a report, um, from I believe Sam Spiegelman of Rivals that Oklahoma was the top contender for him, um, based off you know conversation I've had in the in the last forty eight hours is is I I think Oklahoma is in a really good spot not just for him but the bunch that's been mentioned um as of late so, um. No, I, I like I, it's the same conversation I have with him. You know, people say you know he doesn't have that top end explosive home run hitting power and speed, but what Kamar Wheaton does, the way I, I like a lot already, is the fact that he's okay with getting just 15 yards. He's okay with just going to get 11 yards. You know, there's guys you need that. You know, that's a lot of what those NFL backs are doing right now. And I'm not. I think Kennedy Brooks will get at least a cup of coffee in the NFL, maybe a, a shot because he, he's know. he's. I, I, he's not going to test great. He's not going to. No, you got to be able to get to the edge. Like you have to be yeah. able to be an outside linebacker to the edge. And he, yeah, but he runs, he does. The one thing he does do, he does have, he has great vision. Um, in, inside run. I, I'll agree um, with that. It, the, his, his inside running game is very good. And I think he's also really good making guys miss in that second level. I don't maybe know not that. necessarily, maybe not necessarily DBs, but his, he has what he does that one cut. He has and he the makes one a guy cut, bit. Yeah. He he does one cut, makes a guy miss, and then he gets tackled. Yeah. And you know that's just kind of the running back he is. But you know at the same time too, like I, like and you know it's like I wrote in that column. I, I I think he's a guy that 
you know, five years from now, if Oklahoma's running, but if they say Jay Bull were still coaching Oklahoma in five years, where the running back room would have been, you were probably sitting here talking about how Oklahoma needs a guy like Kennedy Brooks. That's probably true. I mean, um, so from my perspective, so, like, you know, the OU, the running back room has not been as good since Jay Bullware, and I think we've talked about this. Since Jay Bullware took over for Kill Gundy, the running back recruiting has, has gone downhill. Even with Kennedy Brooks' success, you would agree with that, right? Yep. Like, if you're ranking running backs, uh, Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, Rodney Anderson, Kennedy Brooks, where, where would you put Brooks? I mean, at the bottom. Okay. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, it's it's in, tough. Like that's an impossible list. overall talent. Yeah, yeah, in terms of overall talent, yeah. I mean, okay. it, from a career perspective, he's had a better career than Rodney Anderson. But Rodney's peak of those eight games in 2017 is probably better than any of those four, right? Or maybe Joe had. A, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers would say, but. It's just it, it, it's one I, it's more of the fact that it's one of those things we we're sitting here watching a guy the last two years and not really talking about the the greatness of what he's doing and it's but it's in its own unique way to where we you don't really appreciate it yeah. you you don't and, and he just has one of those running styles that people he, it's an it's very old school um it's not you know he's not taking yeah. these not taking the top off of defense he's not. You know, having these break, making five guys miss and running sixty yards to the house, but you give him the ball and he's going to get seven, seven and a half right now against some every, teams. Against every, against, against, against every, against every team not named. Um, here, here, Al, here. This is a good segue. I have this yeah, stats in front of me. The, te- the Texas one, I believe the first year he wasn't the running back yet. They still yeah. were figuring that out. Yeah. And then last year, Jalen Hurts carried the ball a ton against Texas, yeah. if I remember correctly, like 20 times. I'll, I'll, here, I'll just read you yards per carry um, because I do think, you know, if I the yardage totals, let's, he's played six games against Texas or a, in a postseason game. He's played – Texas three times. He's played Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, and then he's played Alabama and LSU. Um, Texas first year, 11 yards a carry, but, he, you know, three for 34. So not a not a tremendous impact on the game, but efficient. Next year, Texas, 10 for 28. Um, Alabama in the Orange Bowl, six for 35. Um, you know, that game, he's not really given an opportunity because they're down 28 nothing before anybody showed up. Um Next year, Texas, 10 for 105. That's a good game. That's 10 and a half yards of carry. That, that's a really good game. Um, Baylor Big 12 <coughs> Championship, 16 for 59. That's not great, but the way that OU was running offense at that point, you know, it's fine. You know. Yeah, and, and it's the same thing in the LSU game. But you were yeah. also, you have to remember too, he's only had nine games to, of, in his whole career that he's had 15 carries or more. It's not like this has been a guy that's just been the workhorse no, he's not a volume for guy. Oklahoma. And, you know, look at the games when he's he's going for TCU. He's getting 25 carries in 2019 for 149 yards with last year's offensive line. Against Oklahoma State, he had he literally basically won them the game just with the way they were able to control the clock um, because of the way he was able to run the football. And that may be more of a, a, an indictment on Oklahoma State's defense, yeah. their run defense. But then you look at it and he goes 15 for 132 against Iowa State and Norman. And that Iowa State's defense is literally set up to stop what Oklahoma does on offense, especially what, what, in the running game. What do you think, like, 
Do you think he is tremendously more successful in Lincoln Riley's offense than like Brennan Clay would have been? I, I, I do. I think Brennan Clay I don't think Brennan Clay with how patient you have to be in the cuts you have to make and how small you need to get sometimes. Brennan yeah. Clay didn't run didn't Brennan Clay didn't run like that. I mean there's a couple They're guys in the past. Yeah. Um yeah, what's his name? He was seventeen. Moses Madu. Moses Madu would have absolutely put up insane numbers yeah. in OU's offense. DeMarco Murray would have put up even more insane well, numbers. And those guys could way. catch the ball. Murray especially, obviously, could catch the ball out of the backfield, which is another thing that Brooks doesn't do particularly well. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I would think... He, I w- he hasn't really been put in a position to, um, you know, either. But Well, that's not... It's, I mean, come on. They had... Trace, Trace 18, Sermon was the... Trace Sermon didn't really was, do that either. Trey Sermon last year, I mean, was the only guy of the backfield that was seeing a bunch of action in terms of the passing game. Um, And that may be more of an indictment on Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I'm talking about like 2018. Which, by the way, if we want to get off the Kennedy Brooks situation. Is is Jalen Hurts going to go in the first round? He's going to go in the second round or third round. And I, and I I don't get it. I would I would feel really really good about drafting Jalen Hurts to be my backup in like the fifth round. Absolutely, especially if I was like the Chargers and Tyrod Taylor was going to be my starter, but and I didn't want to invest in like you know a Tua or you know I don't know where their pick is. Um, but yeah, man, if if you think and I it's already started. The Jalen Hive has on NFL draft Twitter has already started for, you know, the momentum. I'm, I, I would also like to take this opportunity to say that I'm completely out on Jordan love, uh, which I think you disagree with. Um, All right, a- I've got a, I got a scenario for you. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you what I, what I've seen from Jordan love. I think I've broken down three games. I've broken down the, L- the LSU game, obviously um, because of the peach bowl. And I think I went back and broke down two more um, over the last couple months um, big arm, um, not afraid to make throws, uh, always seems to throw into a window that his guy can only make the catch. Sometimes he Man, misses those. His stats are uh, terrible. Um, he played at Utah I, State, man. I remember looking at, cause there was a rumor he there for a little at, while. He played at Utah State. Yeah, there was. After, there was a rumor after, there for a little while that he might look at Oklahoma. But he played at Utah State. Man, what like what? He averaged seven and a half yards per attempt and a one almost a one to one touchdown to interception ratio at Utah State. That's terrible. I'm, just, I'm I'm sitting here telling you basically what I'm what I'm watching. Uh, this, yeah, Spencer. that's that's the different the and difference see, what's is funny I get here the stat- is we're 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 reversing. Like you looked at the stats for Kennedy Brooks and I'm talking about what I saw and now we're talking about Jordan Love. Well, I mean, We've completely I, uh, reversed. I, like the Kennedy Brooks, the conversation with Kennedy Brooks is more about. The appreciation and the fact that he's about to be the one of the top ten running backs on the OU all time rushing list, and we're not even we don't we don't appreciate him in that way. That's that conversation because of the stats. Now we're talking about an evaluation here and talking about a possible fit. And with Jordan Love, I, I see all the things that add up that could work really well with a guy named Joe Brady in Carolina. Oh, the Panthers do need a quarterback. I, I'm not a I'm not a Teddy Bridgewater guy. Uh, I was until he last year. I saw a lot of things that were concerning, uh, and I, I'm not yeah. going to say I watched every snap, but um, I think Joe Brady could solve a lot of problems with Jordan Love. 
with Jordan Love, Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. Who you 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 get a guy that's instinctual enough. You get a guy that can manage a game yeah. at the line of scrimmage. Joe Brady, Joe Brady, with these NFL guys are gonna. He's there. There's gonna be some the Belichicks of the world, the 49ers, um, Shanahan, and those guys. Uh, you know they'll 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 give them some problems. But at the end of the day, Joe Brady's gonna win, um, and he's gonna win a lot, uh, especially on offense. Now that may not. Man. You know, that may not go towards whether they're going to win, you know, because they're getting stops, you know, whatever, you know, because the NFL is such a different game um, than what college was. But, yeah, you know, that's the I, the NFL draft is coming up. I, I think it, you know, it, with Jordan Love and all these other quarterbacks with Jalen and uh, it's just this uh, this quarterback class is but it, behind Joe Burrow. Even Tua. Oh, it's I'm terrible. Tua. It's so I, I don't want Tua. I don't want any part of Justin Herbert. I'm so I'm a Broncos fan. I'm so glad that they took Drew Locke last year, and it looks like he's pretty good, or he's at least good enough that they're not going to spend a first round pick on a quarterback this year. Because oh my God, I think there are some some minds out there that you do not want to hit. Now, Justin Herbert, I think if he goes to the right place, he's too tall. He's got a chance. He's <laughs> too tall. Sorry. I think, I, th- I think if he goes to the right place, he's going to have a chance. He's too tall. But at the but at the same time. Uh, I'm not sold off. I'm not sold on him either. So um, it's too tall. It's, Sorry, he's, seven, he's six seven. You know what's funny? He's he's listed at six six, but he's I think he's actually taller than that. I think he's the only guy that they that they exaggerate his height down the other way. Um, yeah, eight eight point one yards per attempt last year. Um, man, I'm I'm good. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm so, good. I just I don't. You want to get. Let's let's get into this list. Let's this all decade the, team. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I I I'm I didn't spend the time um, to put it together. Yeah. I knew Spencer Woods Spencer would put together a pretty good list, and I'd have some uh, probably some input on it. So okay, so let, let's go through here. Let's let's start with the offense. So here's what I did. I didn't cheat. Um, there there's 22 guys on. Well, there's actually 26, but it's it's starting 11 on offense, starting 11 on defense, and then I picked four specialists: uh, kicker, punter, kick returner, punter returner. Um. And I did on offense. I did two running backs, two receivers, a tight end. Um, since 2010, correct? Yeah, since 2010. Um, on defense, I did three defensive linemen. Um, although you might argue that one of my defensive linemen was a linebacker, and I think you'd be right. Um, and then I did one outside linebacker. Oboe. Yeah. <laughs> and then I no, did uh, one outside linebacker. He's what? He's a D end. Okay. Cool. And then uh, two inside linebackers, two cornerbacks, two safeties, and then I picked a nickel. Um, so uh, let's just start at the top. Let's start at quarterback. I, I don't think that, you know, I, I picked this mostly based off um, the career as a whole uh, and not the peak of one season. Um, I weighed it. In some situations, I weighed those two things. But um, at quarterback, I, I went with Baker Mayfield. Um, just – I think Kyler's one season was better than any season that Baker had, but Baker had three years that uh, were pretty incredible in its totality. Uh, Landry was also an honorable mention, but he, uh, I think his, at least his first year was before 2010. So yeah, with so the guys best, that overlap. Best years are in it. Yeah. Uh, I think just though the, with Kyler, it's the fact that he should have had two years. Um, yeah. Definitely hold, I think it holds some weight. And I, I think Kyler's going to end up being the better quarterback too. So I think that's uh, I think that's fun. I just felt like 
you know, Baker three years, top four in the Heisman, you know, got and they, you know, Baker and Kyler both got to the same place, twelve and two, Big Twelve title. Um, and Baker just from a culture's perspective just meant so much to OU. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. remember when when he was suspended for the senior game? And they brought his jersey out to the middle of the field for the coin toss, like he had and I got died. roasted for it. Like he had died the week before. I mean, it. He just meant he meant so much to, and still means so much to OU's a program that I, you know, I, I think you'd go Baker. But if you want to go Kyler first peak, um, you know, I, I think that's reasonable. Um, running back. Uh, I went with Samaj and Joe here. Um, Demarco's best season was in 2010. Um, but most of his career was in the previous decade, uh, also considered Rodney Anderson. Um, but I think those, I think those two, you know, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, Kennedy, Kennedy could be mentioned here as well over 2000 yards, but, um, you know, I think it's Samaja and Joe, um, receiver. Who do you think I put a receiver receivers really hard? Definitely the hardest, uh, you know, the best group of players to pick from. Yeah, Broyles for two. You had Stills for one. Obviously, or two. CD. You had CD. You had Marquise Brown. You had Sterling and D. Kenny Stills. And D. is that the conversation? Yeah. And and Didi. Yeah. And you said Hollywood. Okay. Right? Yeah. So I would have gone with Sterling and CD. I went with CD and Didi. Ooh, I mean, um, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, Sterling definitely was third. Um, and Broyles was also a tough exclusion, just given the totality of his career. And his best – I think his best two seasons were in this were in this decade. Um, but CD, I think, just had the most unbelievable season that we've seen from an OU receiver. Um, gosh, I mean, what is OU's offensive – there's just a replacement level receiver instead of CeeDee Lamb. Um, and then D.D. Westbrook, I mean, he had 1,700 yards his last season at OU. If he gets a, a third year, um, you know, you're talking about him being up there in terms of total career yardage um, in the top two or three guys ever. Um, and I guess, you know, Sterling is second all time in receiving. Um, D.D. is eighth. But if Didi had had another season of 1,500 yards, he's at, he's above Sterling. Um, mm-hmm. And as is, he almost had more touchdowns than him. So uh, I weighed two seasons for Didi versus three or four for Shep and uh, and also the Blitnikoff for Didi. But it's tough. And Marquise Brown might be the most talented. You know, him and CD were probably the most talented. So, Oh, I don't know. Sterling – yeah, Sterling's route. I mean, it depends on. I guess Sterling's which skill you're route running. Oh my! Marquise God. Brown's a good route runner too, though. Better than Didi. You know, Sterling's my comp for uh, Marvin Mims. Man, wouldn't that work out great for OU? Um, tight end. I think tight end's pretty obvious. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, it's got to be Mark. Um, I put Dimitri Flowers as the honorable mention. Um, even though he didn't Dimitri really is mentioned and Dimitri should be mentioned with among Ringa, all yeah. among should, all conversation. He uh, you know, he deserves to be an honorable mention some He literally changed Oklahoma's offense. Yeah. Um, is that it, it is crazy to think about. 
It's wild. I mean, yeah, there's there's a position. They might as well not even call it a fullback or an H. Like, it should just be called the Dimitri at Oklahoma. Yeah, the uh, flowers position, yeah, the whatever. Flowers, the flower position. Call it Rose or something. I don't know. Um, In which Michael Henderson, by the way, yes. is going to. Also, oh, man, oh. I, I still really like Braden Willis. Uh, I do too, but what you can get with Michael Henderson is Dimitri Flowers, but yeah. as like a running back, it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous. Offensive line, I kind of cheated a little bit here in a couple areas. Um, who do you think my left tackle was? Oh, uh, Orlando. Yeah, it's Orlando. Um, I I cheated at left guard though. I put I put Cody Ford at left guard. Yeah, that is cheating. I mean, he played a full season at left guard. It just wasn't. Yeah, but he was season. a monster at right tackle. He was, but you know who else was a monster at right tackle? Who? Lane Johnson. That was the, that was last decade. Yeah, I mean. So I, I put Lane Johnson at right tackle um, with apologies to Daryl Williams and Bobby Evans. Right tackle has been a pretty loaded position at OU if you hadn't yeah, noticed. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you move four if you do. You have to. I, I you don't even need to, go, need to go by position. I would have just gone with the. I mean, you had to have a center. I I uh, went by position. Um, oh, okay. Instead of just five alignment. Um, oh, okay. Center has also been pretty loaded. I think you'll be proud of me though. I, I went with Creed here. You have to. Yeah, I, I think it's Creed. I mean, Gabe Eichard, Ty Darlington, and um, don't forget Eric Wren. By the way, I, f- I feel like there's been some Eric. We sleep Wren. on Eric Wren. Would you say? We sleep on Eric. Yeah, Wren. Eric Wren is the Kennedy Brooks of offensive linemen. <laughs> no, uh, Eric Wren is was a really really good player. He's just you know seemed like he was gone before he even got here because uh, he was a he you know was a walk on for three or four years and then all of a sudden a two year starter. What probably one of the craziest you know just most unbelievable unlikely things that have happened that has happened at OU in the last 5 years is Eric Wren just rising to prominence um should Shit. also mention Ben Powers part of my French but Ben Powers yes. was a two-star former yes. junior college walk-on and I, I've got Ben Powers as my my honorable mention left guard um Ben Powers also is just a product of Kansas high school coaches not knowing what they're doing um Full qualifier out of high school. I had to go Juco. Crazy. Um, right guard, I might get some heat for this. Um, and probably... I can't, I can't think of another guard, though. It's 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 Drew Samia. Yeah, there's someone better than that. I mean, Adam that. Shedd is, was also a right guard and play, you know got drafted. Um, but it's been, you know... I, so here's what I did for offensive line, uh, especially because I'm pretty good with remembering offensive linemen for the last five years. But I went back and, uh, you know, from the first half of the decade and just looked at who got drafted. Um, so that's why, you know, Adam Shedd, Darrell Williams, I think Gabe Iker got drafted. Uh, Tyrus Thompson, guys like that are showing up because they got drafted. So if there are other guys that were really good that didn't get drafted, um, I definitely forgot about them. So Didn't Darrell Williams play guard? He, I For thought so, but he is listed at tackle. Um, yeah, in the draft, but I think he's a guard. He was a guard at Oklahoma. Um, I briefly googled it and it said tackle. I could, I could have not uh, looked into that deep enough. Um, but so yeah, if Daryl Williams is eligible at guard. I'm fine with Drew Samia being there. But I, I think Drew Samia is is pretty underappreciated 
given that he uh, he started as a true and he freshman. Had one, he had one good year, though. Samia? Man, he was a four-year starter. Yeah, but he was only really good for one year. I don't know. He was fine. Homie, he got he lit. Fine. Him in the Rose Bowl was bad. It looked well, like he was so did Creed Hunt. Creed, everybody. A get, lot of where yeah. the a lot of where the Oklahoma guys were this year against LSU. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's what I was about to say. And no, that's not the level that Drew Samia played at as a senior. Yeah, Drew Samia played. Drew Samia played like one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Yeah, um, but you know, four year so, starter, you know, that's getting a chance in the yeah. league. There's just not that many guards that OU's had in the last ten years that can say that. Um, but I would have put. Uh, if Darrell Williams played at guard, or which I could not find out, or if Ben Powers had played right guard, I, you know, I, I think that they both uh, would be eligible over Samia there. He uh, played at tackle. Yeah, right tackle. In 2013. Who? Yep. Williams? Uh, 2013 and 14, Darrell Williams. Yeah. God, Darrell Williams was a mean dude, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I had him as my starter, and then I realized, it was like, oh, shoot, Lane Johnson. Um so all right, all right. What, where were you at on the uh, DN? Yeah, we're, we're going to defense here. Um, three defensive linemen, man. Let me just tell you, defense was much tougher um, to find guys, <laughs> like especially at safety. Man, safety's it's it's been really tough. I mean, it's been a long time since you had anybody anybody drafted at safety. Um, but we'll start in the trenches. Uh, my D line is Frank Alexander, Charles Tapper, and Oboe. Oh, you only did three? Yeah, well, and then Eric Stryker's the, the jack. Oh, yeah, that is cheating. Yeah. See, yeah. I would have – I see, I would go Frank Alexander. Um, that means, yeah, Frank Alexander, Charles Tapper, Neville Gallimore, and yeah. Oboe. I wrote down Neville's – Neville's an honorable mention, uh, and if you were actually filling a team, that's probably – Oh, pardon my – sorry. We're going to go – sorry, I'm going to switch it up. We're going to go Frank Alexander at D-end, and then we're going to go uh, Charles Tapper on inside of him, and then we're going to put Jordan Phillips. Nah, at the, see, I, I thought I was going to do that too. I, th- I thought I was I thought I was Jordan do Phillips, that. and then you go Oboe. Um, Jordan Phillips. Jordan wait, where's Stryker? See, I th- I don't see I don't consider Stryker. I th- I think Stryker was a very impactful player, but he plays the same position as Oboe does. I think Stryker was better than Oboe. I think I think Oboe was a lot more dominant um, than Eric Ooh. Stryker was, especially I think the stats I think the stats would disagree well, with you. Eric Stryker is fifth all time in sacks at Oklahoma. Now Oboe is seventh. So it's not. Yeah, and Oboe only played. Uh, Striker played for three years, right? 2012, 2013, 2014. Yeah. I don't know. Striker. Oboe, Oboe played for two. Striker is also sixth all time in tackles for loss. Um, and I don't see Oboe. I don't know what he. I don't know what his career tackles for loss is. Uh, I also just think Striker. I mean, shoot, from a leadership perspective, I mean, there's nobody better than that guy. Um, yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, just but throw that but intangible. I, but, but if Eric Stryker and Oboe would both play in Alex Grinch's defense, and Oboe would start over him at, at the uh, rush position. Can I can I read you? And I understand that if you're building a team, you've got to have somebody really big. And Jordan Phillips is OU's best example of that. 
guy that's what was he six seven um he never had more than two sacks he only had one year of you know his last year at Oklahoma he only had seven tackles for loss 38 total tackles one fumble recovery you know no forced anything I just I don't know I was pretty underwhelmed I remember him being good um, and obviously it was a high well, draft when, pick. He was, yeah, he was so good. But whenever he played, he was just the stats were hurt. underwhelming enough that. Yeah, and he was hurt. Yeah, um, yeah, he had back I, issues for sure. Uh, in ter- in terms of talent, I would definitely take Jordan Phillips, but Neville, um, I would take Neville over a yeah. lot of. I think Neville's the best, probably the best. He's in the draft. Will probably show that that he's the best defensive lineman since Gerald. Um, so we'll see. He's a he's a freak athlete for sure. Yeah. So we'll. What now do you think the, he's a second round pick? Yeah. Uh, from I think he's going early second round um, at this point, and um, scouts seemed enamored with him at OU's pro day. The ones that I talked to. So hmm. um, I, I think he I think he's going to have a chance to have a pretty pretty good long NFL yeah. career. Just he I mean he he's just still scratching the surface. I mean yeah. Another little tidbit here, you know, NFL scouts for the defensive guys at OU, basically this was their year one on tape. They basically used the years prior just to see how they got better. That's all they used it for. Hmm. That um, is interesting. Just and that's and if that, that if that's not an indictment on Mike Stoops, then I don't know what. There's there's is. been plenty of indictments on Mike Stoops. Uh, <laughs> a couple other D line shoutouts: Chuka and Dule, pretty good. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Got some consideration. Geno Grisham, outside linebacker. Um, See, I'd consider him a DN because his best year was 2013. You know, it's when muddy. he played. Yeah. He played D end. It, it's muddy. Uh, um, yeah, uh, I mean, he was awful in 2014. Yeah, I but I had a uh, yeah. I mean, I, Frank Tapper, Oboe, Stryker, uh, Phillips, and uh, Gallimore. I think you can pick any four of those six. Um, and you're you're in pretty good shape up front. Um, inside linebacker, uh, I went with Dom Alexander and Kenneth Murray. Corey Nelson and Corey, Kenneth Murray. You you're going with Corey Nelson over Dom Alexander. Yes. Um, other other possibilities are Travis Lewis, who played two seasons in this decade, and Jordan Evans, who statistically was really really good, but the Texas Tech game probably kills his candidacy. Yep. Uh, so. Oh, Kenneth, 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 and Corey Nelson. Corey Nelson in 2013 may have end up being like a top four round draft pick. He's had a sneaky, really good NFL career. I mean, not he's not like an All Pro or anything, but he's he's still in the NFL. Um, yeah. He. Oh yeah. At OU, 17 and a half tackles for loss. Um, never had more than 59 tackles in a season. Uh, which is crazy. He was hurt. But he was hurt yeah, a that, lot. That's true. He he really only played uh looks like he really only started his sophomore season. Um Yeah, I mean I, he had I'm one cool of with the Corey biggest, Nelson. He had, he, had, he had one of the biggest pick six, pick sixes in OU history. Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I yep. remember uh I was at the Tulsa State Fair watching that. I remember where I was. Um didn't know that I knew that, but I but I did. Um Man, the this that secondary is easy uh, for me. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Well, one of one of the cornerbacks is easy. Uh, it's Zach Sanchez, two, right? Two of them are easy. Who's your other corner? Aaron Colvin and um, Parnell Motley. I went with Motley over Colvin. Oh my gosh! And you went with Sanchez over Colvin? Yeah. 
Sanchez was the no-brainer for us. He's fifteen career interceptions. Keegan, he. I don't. It doesn't matter. Keegan, Zach Sanchez is really, really good, man. He made one of the most memorable plays of that. You know, the the Sugar Bowl win over Alabama. He, Sanchez, for me is just a no doubt first team guy. You'd have Motley over Sanchez. Yeah, based off last year, yeah, I think he covered better. I, Zach ran into play guys make plays. You got to give him credit, but Zach ran into so many interceptions, and it was a lot of instincts. He was yeah, man. You know, I, Alex Trench would love to have somebody that could run into an interception. Zach Sanchez wouldn't play in Alex Trench's defense. Oh come on, that's ridiculous. He didn't cover good enough. He Spencer. was plenty good enough covering. I'm typing this out Keegan real quick. So. furiously typing. I can't believe that he's he's 15 career interceptions. OU doesn't have 15 interceptions combined for their whole team since he left. We're just going to ignore this, and we'll let the public decide. Um, I, Colvin was is kind of tough to leave off because um, he was really good. Uh, but Motley's numbers are a little bit better. Um, and Colvin did have some injuries towards the end of his hips, if I remember right. Um and Colvin's had a better NFL career than Sanchez and probably better than Motley will. Um, yep. So, you know, I think you could pick I, – I, I would will die on the hill that Sanchez belongs here. Um, but Motley or Colvin, I, you know, I think you could go either way. Um, do you want to keep talking about – you want to make another argument or you want to move on to safety? No, uh, no. The safety, the safety's easy. It's Tony, it's uh, Tony Jefferson and Stephen Parker. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I landed on too. Um, I, I landed on Tony Jefferson pretty quickly, and then um, safety. You know, I looked around for a long time for a safety that was better than Stephen Parker, and I, I just couldn't find one. Um, his numbers are not gaudy. I think he only has two career interceptions, despite being essentially a three and a half year starter. Um, but he. Really, his you know talk about being a sure tackler in open space. I mean, there's there's been nobody better at OU um, in the last ten years. Man, how good, how high of, um, how high of a draft pick would? Oh gosh, it just escaped me. How high of a draft pick would Stephen Parker have been under Alex Grinch? I don't know. You know, I mean. When you're talking about the draft, you know, they're grading you as an athlete after the first, you know, first round, you're trying to marry athleticism with production. You want both. And after that, you're picking one or the other. And Stephen Parker didn't really have, I mean, maybe he would have been more productive under Grinch. Is that what your argument is? Yeah. I mean, as an athlete, you know, I I think NFL teams. Stephen Parker would have played the position Patrick Fields is playing. And it, he wouldn't have had to be in the box and try to make so many tackles. It would have been yeah. a lot more in space. Yeah. And that guy in space is he, – he, I think I think he would have been – we would have been talking about him the same way we talk about Tony Jefferson. But Stevens, you know, even going back to high school, I mean, Stephen Parker was the – you know, if, you don't, if you're listening to this, and I graduated with Stephen Parker. Or, shoot, he was a year younger than me, a jinx, um, and watched him a lot. And Dylan Harding was the more aggressive safety in that in that uh, you know back defensive backfield. Um, Parker was always the disciplined guy that would come up into the box and make a tackle. So I, I don't know that you know that Parker was a uh, you know would have ever been this ball hawk, um, but maybe he would have been. I don't know. 
he, he was re, he was a really good player. Oh, he was probably not had a safety. Uh, you know, certainly he certainly would have helped OU at safety last year if he was. Uh, oh yeah, still in school. So uh, my nickel. You know, really, I don't even know that. I mean, I put a nickel because it's twenty twenty, and you, you know, playing with a nickel. But um, you know, I've I put Will Johnson there. I don't know how you feel about that. I would agree, although the nickel has been new to Oklahoma and yeah. been more, um, you know, uh, they ran they ran a little bit, especially when OU the they destroyed Texas that year. I think Julian Wilson as a nickel, he was pretty good as a nickel in, in 2013. Um, I think Alex Grinch would definitely, um, I think I, that'd be a guy that would play for Alex Grinch at the nickel would be Julian Wilson. Um, I think a guy that can play in the box like that. I just couldn't put Julian Wilson on the all decade team. I just couldn't do it after, you know, after, after after the Baylor, some things that happen after, you know, you can play as good as you want to. And then like, you know, like Matt, like Matt diamond was not going to make this team, (laughs) man. You can't get, you know, you can't get kicked out of a game for, you know, there's just certain things you can't do. And, uh, you know, social distancing yourself from, uh, Corey Coleman is one of them. Um, that was a joke that I partially stole from Crimson Cream Machine. So shout out to, I think, I assume it was Jack Shields that tweeted that out, but that was funny. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, man, I was going to say that I'd put Buki at nickel just to screw with you, but. Huh. No, because he's, <laughs> oh, man. We'll see. I mean, Will Johnson, really, really good player. Really, I think. Will Johnson. Very and, and Will Johnson made the 2015 season what it was. I mean, they didn't have a guy that was making an impact like he was, yeah. um, especially blowing up just screenplays. I mean, he blew up every screen um, that came yeah. his way. Really, really so, good at that. Um, yeah. And, now and then Mike Stoops tried to kill him yes. in 2016. <laughs> what did he and have? Did he add 30 pounds to play outside linebacker? Yeah, and just got beat. And, and Col- uh, against Ohio State in Norman and got – who was the running back then? It wasn't, was it Dobbins? Was that Dobbins' freshman year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was – No, it was Weber, Mike Weber. Oh, you're right. It wasn't anybody <laughs> that was even good. Uh. They're, they're, all, they're already lighting you up, by the way. You'll have fun with – you can have fun with that once we get off here um, for the Aaron Colvin take. But um, punter, punter, easy, Austin Seibert. Um, I did have Austin Seibert as a punter. And I, I, I and put – cut as a kicker? Oh, I probably should have. I, so I didn't do any research on the kicker. I just – I put Gabe Burkage. <laughs> but uh, – Yeah, yeah, Honeycutt. You're probably right. Yeah, it probably should have been Honeycutt. That's that's your yeah. I'll make I'll punt make return. Comment. Punt return. Jalen Saunders. No, I cheated. Um, I, I I wanted to. I found a way to put to to get Ryan Broyles on this team. Uh, to get Ryan Broyles on the All Decade team. So I, I put Ryan Broyles there. Yeah, that's a. Back that. I mean, you know, kick return. He's Alex Ross. Yep, correct. A couple jinx guys on here. <laughs> So I don't know. I think, uh, man, I really can't believe that you guys think that Zach Sanchez is not just an absolute step. Bro, bro, bro. It that's one of those where you have to you, you just watch. He just got beat way too much. 
he made plays, but he got beat way too much. And Man, what is in your season? It fifteen interceptions in three years. Yeah, he he picked off a lot of passes, man. That's the whole point of what Alex Grinch wants to do. That is literally the only thing he wants to do. Yeah, but he would never have played for Alex Grinch. Yes, he would have. Are you kidding? How many interceptions do you think OU has in the last three years? Not not total as a team. But Spitzer, what I'm saying is, is that he wouldn't have been as good as Parnell Motley. Or I, I don't, I like I see Zach Sanchez and Trey Brown kind of being the same player. Man, Zach Sanchez got picks. Zach Sanchez couldn't cover like Parnell Motley covers. Man, Sanchez covered pretty well in Knoxville, if I remember correctly. Did he not? I mean, not one play. Man, one play, they held Tennessee to like 24 points. Yeah, because that defensive line just freaking and just dominated. Um, Man, I he had six picks in 2014, seven picks in 2015. Um, also had 28 passes deflected, which is probably top 15 in school history. Had three career touchdowns. He he was really freaking good. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Interceptions against two against Kansas State in the same game, two against West Virginia, one Kansas State, one Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Also had the uh, the deflection, you know, the famous. Lay all laid out deflection on a ball that was probably underthrown. On a, but yeah, that was uh, a bad ball. Game winning interception against Tennessee, interception in Morgantown, interception against Oklahoma State, interception against uh, OSU and Bedlam at home in a loss, um, interception at Baylor, interception at Tennessee. Um, sorry, that was the one. He had an interception, uh, you know, against Tennessee twice. Um, interception in the back of the end zone against Clemson in the Orange Bowl that gave OU the lead. Um, going into halftime. Uh, okay, Spencer. My my whole point is, is that Zach Sanchez couldn't cover like Porno Molly or Aaron Colvin. Yeah, but he got what's more important. Oh, he was giving uh, Porno Molly was giving up. Those defenses were giving up touchdowns regardless of whether how good yeah. Porno Motley could cover. Don't you want an interception every Parno, now and then, Hart, bro? But at the end of the day, I would much rather like. As someone that, if I'm trying to put a team together, I would take Parno Molly over Zach Sanchez because he can cover better. I, man, I don't know. You talk about the only it's, thing so a Big Twelve defense would wants to do right guy, now. Would, hey, would you rather have a guy that hits home a ton of home runs and strikes out a ton, or would you rather have a guy that hits about three thirty that drives in a bunch of runs and hits well with runners in scoring position? I don't think the metaphor works. Uh, obviously, it's the second one, but I, I don't think yeah, that exactly. You'd rather have the guy that's more solid all the time. That's always that, but, that doesn't get beat a ton. What's what's the Especially equivalent the of Parno Motley driving and runs and hitting three thirty? Just in the general, of the Parno Motley was solid. You could rely on him. He was the he was he got three thirty is more than solid. Well, you get what I'm saying. 330 is prime Albert Pujols. That's a little better than solid. Okay, now we're arguing. Now we're arguing about baseball. Well, I'm just my I'm point, challenging. I don't think your metaphor works Arnell. quite as well. I don't think, but the, the, it's 
Motley was a better cover. You know what you're getting on a Parnell Motley. With Zach Sanchez, he may get beat a lot. Man, OU's defense is getting beat anyways. At least every now and then, Sanchez would get you the ball back. (laughs) Right? You're getting getting destroyed right now. Uh, you're gonna love to read the, all that whenever we get off here. So, what else? What else do you got? You got anything else? Oh man, I don't know. We, <laughs> uh, yeah, I gotta go clean up this group text. I guess. Um, no, it's yeah, all decade team: Baker, Samaje, Joe, CDDD, Mark, Orlando, Cody, Creed, Drew, Lane, Johnson, Frank Alexander, Charles Tapper, Oboe, Striker, Dom Alexander, Kenneth Murray, Zach Sanchez, Parna Motley, Tony Jefferson, Stephen Parker. Will Johnson. Um, any other guys that I forgot to shout out? Uh, Ahmad Thomas, I think it's safety, deserves a shout out. He was good for one year. Um, I think we said everybody else that I wrote down here. Quentin Carter is pretty good safety. Only played one year this decade. Weezy. Yes, yes. Uh, but only played – he would have been on the list, but I think he. I think his last year at OU was 2010, uh, so he didn't really qualify. Um, and then, yeah, I messed up. Michael Honeycutt, obviously the uh, – the uh, the kicker and Austin Cyber the punter Alex Ross kick returner um, Ryan Broyles punter you you were one of those people that sent a letter to Michael Honeycutt I most certainly did not <laughs> <laughs> I was the uh, editor of the daily this summer that Michael Honeycutt had some issues on Campus Corner I, I will say that but um, man there was multiple OU players that had some issues that summer. Um, but one, one more thing. Uh, Trey Brown has a pretty good chance of becoming OU's all-time leader in kick return yards next season, if, if there is a season. Is that on your radar? No. He is at 1,121 career kick return yards. He so has, he hasn't, he hasn't like had a, obviously had a touchdown yet. But he, you always, anytime he gets a chance to return one, he always gets it out to like the 30. Yeah. His average is uh, 21, uh, which is the lowest of anybody um, that is in the top seven on this list. Um, and he's also the only one in the top seven that doesn't have a touchdown. So here's the top. Joaquin Iglesias is number one with 1664. So Trey Brown needs about 545 yards to. Uh, he won't get that. He had That's 700 his first year as a kick returner. It depends on how bad OU's defense is. <laughs> um, yeah. Which it, should be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, I, I hope we get the chance to, to see it. Um, Absolutely. And everybody, uh, stay safe. Yeah. Please do your part during this time. He's, the people that listen to this. He's definitely going to break the record for most returns in school history. He is only 10 away from that. We somehow got back to Trey Brown. He's 10. I'm just mesmerized by this. I didn't realize. I, I'm sorry. We, we should get out of here. It's been an hour and 15 minutes. But I don't even. I think I like Trey Brown. I think he's fast. And he's good to talk to. I like Trey Brown. I don't think he's a particularly good kick returner. And he's, he's about to be atop this list that includes... Uh, Antoine Savage and Buster Rhymes and Alex Ross and DeMarco Murray and Joaquin Iglesias. And he's going to end up with like 75 career kick returns. And the record right now is 63. 
which is eight more than anybody else. So it's, I don't know, it's pretty, it's crazy that, uh, you know, when I was looking for kick returners to put on this list earlier, I made sure uh, that I didn't forget anybody uh, outside of Alex Ross. And I could have put Roy Finch on there. Roy Finch is also up there. Um, only a few hundred fewer yards than Alex Ross, but, um, and all this decade. So I don't know. When did Trey Brown have an 86-yard kick return? When, which game was that? I remember him breaking a long one and not getting all the way. Do you remember Do you remember what game? Uh-uh. Um, I don't know. His long is 86, which is pretty good. But all right. I think I think we've rambled long enough. Um, if, if you think that Zach Sanchez is not a a uh, all decade team performer for OU, uh, I want you to tweet. I want you to send a tweet to at Keegan Renault, which is spelled <laughs> K E G A N R E N E A U. No space, no underscore, anything. Just just Keegan Renault, um, and just let him hear about it. And then I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he will pass it along to me. So I'm sure you got anything else. I'm good. All right. We'll be back. Uh, I don't know. Some point during the, uh, during the quarantine time, I'm sure, you know, we've been sporadic. We'll probably continue to be sporadic until, uh, until we get some clarity on what the future holds. But, uh, until then, uh, appreciate you hanging with us for the last uh, hour and 16 minutes or so. And, uh, you all have a great day. Check. I can see my old school used to be a young hawk. My girl was a miller driller. That's where it all started. I can see your old school sliding down Mohawk. I can see a couple more posted at the car wash. I can see the maybe. I can see Nafis. I can see the homies shooting dice with brown gravy. I can see the new look. Let me call AC. I know I need a fade because it's been about eight weeks. I can see Pine Street.